1 Corinthians 13 is where we are today. Uh, we have been on a journey through the book of 1 Corinthians for quite some time. And we're coming down to the final chapter. We find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. I'm going to read the first three verses and then we'll dive in. Paul writing to that troubled church down in Corinth says this. I'm actually going to start in verse 31. You'll see the paragraph number. It's just above verse number 1. So it's in the last part of verse number 31. This is what he says here at the beginning of the talk. And I show you still more excellent way. If I speak with the tones of men and of angels that do not have love, I have become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If anyone thinks he is a prophet, and here's his word again, or spiritual, 
to sharpen my pencil. I'm always looking to get a little bit more effective and a little bit more to the heart of the matter. And hey, the older we get, we ought to be doing that. We ought to be becoming a little sharper than we were when we were young whippersnappers. Am I right? So Paul's showing us here a better way. And as you can tell, and as everybody knows, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is known as the chapter of love. So he's going to show us a better way than focusing on the gifts. He's going to focus us in on love. So notice what he says to us as he shows us this better way. The first thing he says is this in verse number 1. He says, without love, our language is ineffective. It's ineffective. Hey, now hear me. You know, I'm in the communication business. And I'm kind of a student of communication. I, I want to know what facilitates the hearing process. What will work for people to listen and to really hear what I have to say as a communicator? How can I engage folk? And sometimes it's not just knowing your subject matter, but it's how you present your subject matter and how you deal with your listening audience. And Paul is giving us some clues here on communication. Look what he says again in verse number one of chapter 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, in other words, I can be the most eloquent speaker on planet Earth, but still not communicate. We have this one guy that works with us in Brazil, and some of our Brazilians say this about him. They say, I've never known a man who can speak fluently three languages and still not communicate. I mean, he's just a master at saying a lot of stuff, but really saying, 
Point made. Are folks coming to you? Are folks running away? 
verse number two. By, by the way, this is an easy outline because there's only three verses and there's three points. So check it out. Look at verse number two. If I have the gift of prophecy, and, and here you go, underline this word, and know all. Underline all. And know all mysteries and all, underline all, knowledge. And if I have all, underline that, faith, so as to remove mountains, but do not love, I am everything. No. I'm nothing. I'm not. I'm zilch. I'm zero. So here's what Paul says. Without love, our life is insignificant. We can go from all to nothing just like that. I mean, look, look at the person he describes. He gives a, a fictitious scenario here of himself. If I had to give the prophecy, and, and look, look at next what he says. He describes the gift of prophecy of knowing mysteries. He's talking about mysteries of the gospel. And look what else he says. And all knowledge. Did you know that's requisite for a preacher? A preacher, by golly, just better know something before he stands up to preach. Am I right? Problem is, I know a lot of guys who know the back of hammers and they're still preaching. They didn't be quiet. You need to know something. One of my preaching professors gave me some of the best advice in the world. Here's what he said. He said, son, stand up to preach. When you have something to say, not because you have to say something. And there's a big difference in having to say something and having something to say. By God, if we're in the Word to any degree, the eternal truths are going to come to light. They're going to be like fire in our bones that are shut up. We're going to become passionate about it. We're going to have something to say because we love our people and we want them to say the same thing. So he says, you go from all to nothing. You see all of those alls? All of those alls end up in the cesspool of nothing if we don't have love. Now check this out. I want you to see this, this also. So I'm going to get with you right here. This is not a statement. There's a couple of statements in here about what we do. But this is a statement about who we are. This is an ontological statement, the philosophers would say. It's a statement about being. And here's what he says again. Let me fly by you one more time. Without love, our life is insignificant. You ever feel like you're insignificant? Like you're just one of the seven billion people alive on planet Earth today? You ever feel like you don't matter? Hey, you ever have an inferiority complex? Well, let me tell you where that comes from, according to this text right here. It comes for not loving. You begin to love and all of a sudden you become significant. So you begin to love and all of a sudden your language becomes effective. Let's read this thing in reverse. Let's read it backwards, okay? You begin to love and then our language is effective. People start listening to you. You begin to love and all of a sudden your inferiority complex goes away. Your feelings of insignificance 
just like to call him and say every day, you are nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I really have my answer. Huh? Next time we get up, have a joyous, optimistic day, don't we? No, it doesn't. Can I say something to you? That's what the devil does to you. If you're not loved. By golly, the Holy Spirit answers the door before he gets in your face. If you love it. Now check out what else that Paul says. He says we're reduced to nothing. I'm going to make a couple blanket statements about, about love right here. First, let me say this before I fill in these two blanks. This type of love is not found in the option. You know what I mean? I mean, people, I think I love. Yeah. I got to go to Gulfport, Mississippi for a funeral of a good friend who was been instrumental in helping us reach Kilomolas in northeast Brazil. Passed away suddenly this week, and I've got to go over there. While well, I, well, I go to Gulfport, I'm going to give you some good old warm crawfish. I love warm crawfish. I mean, pinch the tail, suck the head, get it all in your sinuses, dripping off your elbows. I love these warm crawfish. But hey, this type of love that Paul's talking about has nothing to do with the object, how good it is or how ugly it is. This type of love is found right here. It's all right here. This type of love is not in the object, it's in the subject. So how are you doing on loving people that you really don't like? Huh? I mean, is that a spiritual question to ask? I mean, I think so. I mean, the Bible says we have to love everybody. We don't want to say I have to like everybody. But here's the test of your spirituality. It's not how well you love those you like. But it's how well you love those who challenge you. Because this type of love is found here, not there. And we can't say, well, I would love them if, because this type of love is unconditional. You see, this is the type of love wherewith God loved you in that while you were yet a sinner. I.e., unlovely, offensive to Almighty God. He still demonstrated his love toward you and getting sent. Sending his son to die on the cross for you. That's the type of love Paul's talking about. So, a couple more statements about this love. Love, now remember, Paul's making a contrast here between love and all of those gifts. You know that anybody who focuses on the gifts all the time? And Paul says, quit that. I'm going to show you a better way. Let's focus on love. I'd like to say that number one or two, whatever we're on. Love, not gifts, is the ultimate sign of salvation. The ultimate sign of salvation. Let me show you this. Uh, John's Gospel, chapter number 13. Jesus had a lot to say about love in that chapter as well. He was in the upper room in the shadow of the cross, and that's when he was washing the feet of his disciples. So right after he washes their nasty feet, notice what he says in John chapter 13 and verse number 35. Y'all there? Say yeah. Like we there? Here we go. Look what he says in verse 35. This is Jesus speaking. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you are extremely gifted. He didn't say that? Well, let me read my version again. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love 
natural ability to love the unlovely. And when you do that, your communication becomes effective. When you do that, your life becomes significant. Check out blanket statement number next. Love not gifts is the ultimate sign of salvation. And love is the unique work of the Spirit. Do you know that you are incapable of doing this without Him? Thank God we got Him, right? Let me quote the scholar to follow on this issue, Colin Dollar. Here's Colin's. If you're tweeting something today, retweet this by Colin Dollar. You can't possess this type of love until you are possessed by the one who has this type of love. That's the Spirit of God. Was I close to you? Quote Tom? I was there. All right. Quoted it. Yeah. You don't possess it until you are possessed with the Holy Spirit of God. Now check out this in Romans chapter 5. I want you to see this in one verse that Cheney read this morning. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 5. Look what Paul says. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Do you know why you're capable of loving folk unconditionally? Because the Holy Spirit lives within you. And you're able to do stuff supernaturally now because you have eternal third person of the Trinity inhabiting your mortal body. And by God, he'll love folk through you. Now check this out. Oh, man, I wish I had time to unpack this one verse. You see that, that, that expression, love of God? There's two ways to interpret that. It means that he has poured out love for God, and all of a sudden, we start, when we're born again, here's one of the things that you find, all of a sudden, you begin to love God. Is that right? Would you agree with me that, that, that nobody who has not been born again loves God? They don't do it. People who are unregenerate don't love God. Because that's not what the natural man does. They might be religious and might look like it, but they don't really love God. So that's one way to interpret that, that phrase, the love of God. He's poured out love in our hearts, and now all of a sudden we love God. But it can also be, be interpreted this way. The type of love which God has has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who inhabits us. So guess what we can do? I mean, there's no excuse for those who have been loved by God not to love those whom God yet loves that might not look like us or act like us think like us. Well, finally we come to verse number three. We have in verse number two a verse about being. It's about what I am. And Paul says without love our life is insignificant. But then in verse number three, verse number three is a verse about doing. It's about what I do. And notice what he says in verse number three. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Here's what Paul is saying. Without love, our labor leaves us impoverished. Our labor 
leaves us in poverty. Hey, you ever get tired of working 40 hours a week and the bill, by golly, you never get up? Wait a minute, I'm talking to people in here who don't know what I'm talking about. Rod, let me explain that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank 
with their feet on 1970s red carpet in a little church somewhere in Holmes County. And they're not there because they want to be there. They're there because by God, the culture tells you on Sunday morning you're supposed to be in church. And they're there out of nothing to do. And they ain't liking it one bit. They're just there so mama won't cry about it. Huh? Y'all tracking with me? You know how miserable it is when you serve God out of just nothing but duty and out of guilt? I don't want anybody at Grace Church involved in any ministry at Grace Church out of duty and out of guilt. So you're not going to do good in it. You're not going to serve others well through it, and you're not going to be edified and built up through it. My God, if God said it, He just makes you love it, and He uses that as an avenue for you to love others. Hats off to folks who serve right back there behind those glass walls, right? They love it. They're not back there dreading it. They, they love it. That's the way they serve. Hats off to folks who play in this, this band. Hey, do y'all have to, are we driving y'all? Who do y'all think y'all doing that? No, they love it. Hats off to our teachers and our grace group leaders, to our, uh, our, our, I see what call them RV guys, but what is it? It's not RV. Hey, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Oh, you guys, do that stuff. You thought 
greater love has no one than this, than someone who's willing to lay down his life for his friend. And that, and in verse 14, Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. And so thanks be to God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ loved us. The grace church is pleased to us love and our community.